Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back. Great to be back. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody Broadcast Studios right here in downtown Nashville. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul Kaharski checks in. Coming up in an hour, live from Tampa Bay where the Titans and the Bucks are holding a joint practice today ahead of their preseason matchup on Saturday evening. Armando Salguero announced last week he is joining OutKick as the senior NFL writer for the website. He joins us in 15 minutes. We'll talk all things quarterbacks across the league. And is the biggest lie being told right now in Jacksonville where they continue to split first-team reps with Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew? We'll, we'll discuss that with Armando Salguero. That is at 11.15 Central, 12.15 Eastern. Good morning, Chad. Good morning, Hutton. Uh, I'm energized by our visit with Armando Salguero today, talking to yep. NFL. Energized by a chance to talk to Paul in the Tennessee Power Hour, live from uh, Tampa. So it's an exciting show. Uh, plenty to get to. Yep. Um, last night, um, I sent Chad a text. We were, I were actually, actually talking about Armando coming on the show. And he said, uh, Chad said, you know what, I'll, I'll make sure that he's good on the Zoom link as soon as I clean up uh, Lucy who was throwing up in, the, in his car multiple times while he went to a dance class for Evie, his oldest daughter. And I sent him a text back that said, I can't help but laugh because you were left alone with the two kids and all hell broke loose. <laughs> and you, you proceeded to do what? So take this if you don't have kids as a cautionary tale. <laughs> and if you do have kids, this is a tale as old as time. Uh, the one I'm about to, to tell you. So yesterday afternoon, and look, my wife is always uh, with the kids, way, way more than me. So I'm not complaining at all about her in this. So Angie, if you're watching, please know this is not a complaint about you at all. Angie had some appointments yesterday afternoon. So I get done with the show. I head home, and I know that in front of me, I have an afternoon of watching my two daughters and taking them to and fro to different things. So I'm going straight from here to pick up Lucy from her parents' day out, daycare. I know that I'm going home for a short time. Then I have to go pick up my older daughter from school at 3.30. She is six. I know from there I'm going home to give them a snack, get Evie changed into her unitard, leotard, whatever it's called, for <laughs> gymnastics, and taking both of them to gymnastics, where I'll then have to do something with Lucy to keep her occupied, while my eldest daughter participates in gymnastics. This grand plan, there was a curveball thrown in that, that plan. Yes, there was. The curveball was vomit. <laughs> and it started the moment we got out of the car after I picked Lucy up from school. She was complaining about tightness. She was saying, Daddy, tight. Daddy, tight. And I think it was her car seat. 
And maybe it did something where she got sick on the way back. Anyway, get back home. We got a little bit of spit up. All right. There's some crackers involved there. Sorry to be too graphic with people, but this is what happens. <laughs> Again, cautionary tale. If you don't have kids, if you do have kids, you know what I'm talking about. There was a little bit of spit up on her clothes when we get inside. No big deal. It's happened before. Either just got too excited you can handle or just that. ate right. Yeah, whatever it was. Take the shirt off, get it ready to, to clean, change her up. She then eats, I think, a, a small snack, which was a mistake. <laughs> we'll get to that later. We then leave to go pick her older sister up from school. On the way to the school, I start hearing crying and screaming in the back seat. Now, keep in mind, the mirror in the back of my car, I can't see Lucy. So I don't know exactly what's going on, but I hear her crying and screaming, and she's facing towards the back of the car, so I can't see her. Get in the car line. Evie pops in the car line. She gets in the seat. She looks at her little sister. The first thing she says is, oh, gross. And she is screaming because she has vomit all over her. And at this point, I can smell. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of got the head down. I think I was talking to Hutton on the phone at one yeah. point also. Yeah. I've got my head down. I'm thinking, I can smell it now. Did your sister throw up? And so it's upsetting Evie to look at her sister covered in vomit. The smell is getting upsetting. I lowered the windows at that point to try to get the smell out. And I hear Evie say, Daddy, I don't think she likes that, the windows down, because she starts screaming even more. Get home, clean her up for a second time, all right? Wash her up, get the, the warm rag, clean her up, get that shirt off, put it in the wash, get her changed again. An hour passes, time to go to gymnastics. Father of the year. Get, get Two her, changes. Get, yes, I get, uh, well, Evie gets herself ready for gymnastics. She's in her leotard, ready to go. Get in the car. We're not a mile down the road, and I hear a silence, <laughs> followed by more screams, followed by Evie starting to cry because she's looking at her little sister, who for a third time has thrown up. And this time, I mean, it's like the scene in Stand By Me after the pies are consumed. <laughs> it's not good. This is by far the worst this is every, of the throw-ups. Th th this is getting everything out of her system at this point. This is a purge, yeah. right? This is like, this has got to be the end is what I'm thinking. Because after every time she throws up, she's immediately <laughs> fine. If she throws up, I get it cleaned up, and she's running around like nothing happened, and she's completely fine. So we get stopped at a gas I get a little bit of time, stop at a gas station, have to go and get those awful really hard wipes that come when you're like cleaning off your windshield because I have nothing in my car to clean her up with. So I'm doing this and I, I then see that the vomit is just all over the seat, like in every crevice of, the, of her buckles to do it. I'm like, there's just nothing. It smells awful. There's not much I can do. I feel awful for her because she's covered in her own vomit and there's nothing we can do about it. And you're headed uh, to until, a practice. Until uh, this is, yes, and this is where I think that this is where my ingenuity kind of came in. So I drop Evie off at gymnastics. She's fine. Typically, I wouldn't leave her there, but I'm like, you know what? <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. My six-year-old is walking in there by herself. You can find your own class, which she did. It was fine, I think. Um, so she goes in. She finds her own class doing that. I then remember that there is... Today you become an adult. That's right. You figure it out. All right? Sign yourself in. Here's your, here's your health insurance card in case something happens. You're a Cigna health member. Okay, so they have to take you to the hospital. So I then remember that there is a, uh, a playground right up the street from gymnastics. Drop my oldest daughter off. 
take Lucy up to the playground for gymnastics. And she's covered. Now, keep in mind, these are like whole blueberries that are all over her clothes because apparently she, at her school she didn't chew the blueberries. So I'm looking at whole blueberries on her. So I wipe that off as best I can. Remember yesterday it was very rainy in Nashville, very soggy outside. So we start to walk to the playground, and Lucy starts playing in a puddle. And that's when a light bulb goes off, and I'm thinking, here's my cleanup solution. I'm going to let her go nuts in these puddles and run around as much as possible, which leads to the video that we're going to show you right now. This is basically Daddy's version of the car wash after his little girl is covered in puke. This is uh, this is Lucy at the <laughs> playground next to gymnastics, just running sprints through this water. Now, we've had the funny phrase of puke and rally when you drink a lot and get sick, and then you're ready to go again. I believe that two-year-olds invented puke and rally. This is a gift. Because she threw up not it's once, a, a not mindset. twice, but three times. And then rally to the point every time where she is doing full sprints and she's climbing up and she's sliding down things and she's ready to go. It's remarkable. And Hutton, you're right. It, it, is, it is a mentality. It's a mindset. It's a mentality that you have to bring to life that it's just not going to be as bad as I physically feel right now. My daughter Lucy triumphed. She conquered the three vomits. Um, I was not in a good place mentally. You know, I'm firing off text to Angie about how awful the day has been, everything else. So I get her home, immediately get her in the tub. I just let, once again, Evie, father of the year, just, just watch TV. I don't care what you watch. Turn it on at Cinemax. I don't care. Just watch something. Uh, you know, Basic Instinct right now is on HBO West. Maybe you should go watch that. Either way, we got the job done, got her cleaned up. And she's, I'm happy to report she's completely fine. But the amazing part of this is the ability for a small child to puke and rally like nothing happened. Uh, this would be the equivalent of if I left the show here today and drank three of those mason jars of apple pie moonshine that I'm looking at right now, which yep. caused me to throw up. And then I immediately got done with that and ran four laps around this venue and then did a tasting and then we're, right yeah, after right that. Right back for the tasting. That's the mentality that Lucy brought forth yesterday. So I want to applaud Lucy for, well uh, done, Lucy for sticking with it and making it through. And somehow I got through the day. Wasn't easy, but I made it through. She is now ready for an SEC tailgate. Thank you. Yeah, yes, she is. She'll be on the tour with us uh, this fall. Uh, the SEC tour that we talked about yesterday. Hutton, thank you for allowing me to share. Uh, oh, it was awesome. I mean, I I, uh, I got the text. I said, "Hey, is Armando? Does he have the Zoom link?" And you said, "Yes." I've been in kid hell. Lucy has thrown up three times on my car. Just let her play in puddles next to, next to Evie's gymnastics place to wash blueberry vomit off of her. And I said, "This is amazing, amazing imagery." I'm laughing to myself knowing what could go wrong will go wrong. <laughs> and also, Hutton, what's funny about that text that I sent you, one of those texts I sent you, I turned away from Lucy for five <laughs> seconds to send that text, and she got up on the highest slide, somehow climbed all the way up, got to the highest slide, and she goes down the slide facing towards the top of the slide, belly down, okay? <laughs> and it's wet. So she just lets go and goes down the slide. I look over. If I was filming this thing, it was America's Funniest Video Worthy because she went about 70 miles per hour down that slide and flew off straight back and landed straight on her face in the mud at the end of it and cried for about two seconds and then was fine. But um, yeah, so once again, a father of the year moment. Father of the year and quite possibly not having to do this ever again. <laughs>
<laughs> because of the how things went. Who knows? Uh, Armando well, Salguero about to join us. It's also the difference between a mom and a dad. Like I'm telling uh, Angie about all this, and she's me like, oh, I'm so bummed I can't be there for them. So bummed I can't do that. If yeah. she was telling me about this and I was on the road or doing something else, I would feel awful for my children. But the last thing I would think is, man, I really wish I could be there for that. <laughs> may, may sound awful, but that's the difference between a mom and a dad. Oh. Mom has to be there when their kids are suffering in any way. And my response would be, I'm really glad that Angie's there to handle that and not me. I think Evie deserves something uh, in, re- in return for, for handling it like an adult. As a, as a six-year-old, getting in she, and out of class, no problem. She did a good job, and the one time that she almost lost it was we stopped at the gas station, and in a fit of frustration, I said, Evie, we may not go to gymnastics. We may not be able to go. I may have to take her home. And she was trying to be tough, but she just she bit that lower lip and immediately started holding back tears that she wasn't going to get to go to her uh, gymnastics class that day. And then I saw her upset to him, like, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way. Dropped her off, and then the way was the puddles in the playground. Armando Salguero uh, joining OutKick officially, OutKick.com, on Monday as the senior NFL writer for OutKick.com and columnist. He'll join us next. We're going to talk all things NFL. Coming up at noon central, 1 o'clock Eastern, live from Tampa Bay Buccaneers training camp and the joint practice with the Tennessee Titans where Mike Vrabel discussed today's work. Quoting him, he said, today's practice sucked. We will we'll get full details as to why. We do know that four fights broke out at this practice. The, the magnitude of these fights, don't know. Paul will give us details on that. Well, if you hated that segment with me telling that story, then I no. can promise you this next segment will not suck right. to the level of this first segment of the show because Armando Salguero is terrific. We'll talk all the headlines uh, across the NFL, quarterbacks specifically. We'll talk Tua in Miami. We haven't discussed Tonga Vailoa all that much as the franchise quarterback with the Dolphins. Armando knows Tua well and the situation there and the the build around him. We'll discuss that, plus uh, rookie quarterbacks across the league and much, much more. That is all straight-ahead NFL discussion with OutKick 360. First, though, gainful. There is nothing more personal than your health. So when it comes to finding the right nutrition supplements to meet your fitness goals... You need a personalized approach. Thankfully, there is now Gainful, the personalized nutrition system that's formulated for your body and goals. Gainful gives you the peace of mind that your protein, your hydration, your pre-workout supplements, they contain the finest ingredients specifically for you. And it's a five-minute quiz. Chad and I have both done this. You also pick out the flavors that you want shipped. I highly recommend you see it right there on the screen, the strawberry lemonade mm, flavor. It's great. Love it. And it's gonna, Gainful's going to deliver your supplements with no shipping charge every month. You can cancel any time. You can adapt your plan as needed. And all Gainful products are formulated by their on-staff registered dietitians and are backed by pro-level exercise scientists on their science advisory board. And every Gainful customer gets complimentary one-on-one access to their registered dietitian available anytime to answer your questions. And they've got a great offer going on right now. It's awesome. You get $20 off your personalized supplements. Go to Gainful.com slash OutKick360. That's Gainful.com slash OutKick360 for $20 off. Gainful, personalized nutrition made for your tastes. Bro, 
I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us wherever you're watching across the OutKick network. We hope you'll subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at OutKick360. Coming up in about 45 minutes, we'll go live to Tampa Bay, Bucks and Titans in a joint practice. PK will join us live from Tampa Bay. Right now, though, we go to South Beach, Miami. Our next guest recently has joined OutKick. In fact, I believe day number one isn't even today. It's coming up on Monday. Armandel Salguero joins us uh, live from Miami. He's covered the Miami Dolphins and the NFL since 1990. He's a Pro Football Hall of Fame selector, and now he is the senior NFL writer and columnist for OutKick.com. Armando, it is great to have you on. Thank you for joining us today, and uh, here we go. I can't wait for you to officially start OutKick and OutKick.com on Monday. No, it's my pleasure and I'm really excited about it. And I was like I was telling you guys before we went on air, I hope not to disappoint you too much because apparently <laughs> I've got you totally fooled up to this point. Well, I, and as I told you off air, Armando, it's great to have uh, a Hall of Fame selector of your stature that's not Paul Kuharski, <laughs> who's not with us right now because we've had to deal with him for so long on this show that uh, it's terrific to have you on the show and, and not him. So thank you for that. True story about Paul Kuharski. He knows as well, if not better than most people and most of the selectors in that room. But I don't think I've ever heard him say a word in that room. I, I, I just don't remember him, uh, you know, chiming in. I'm sure he's very op opinionated, as you know, but... Maybe it's too early. We get started like at six in the morning uh, for those selection process meetings. I know. I know he was very vocal in a couple of the offensive line uh, discussions uh, that he's told us about. And uh, John McClain, who's also a frequent guest on the show, would, would chime in with Paul on that. Uh, but but aside from that, I think, you know, early on, he's only been a selector for a handful of years now. And I, I think uh, knowing Paul, his voice will get louder and louder year by year, if I had to guess, Armando. No doubt about it, and uh, <laughs> sure when, <laughs> I'm sure when Titans players start, you know, yeah. going through the, the cycle, then it's going to get way, way loud. Well, I want to start in Miami with our discussion. Uh, Chad and I were, were discussing this a bit prior to today's show. We, we have not talked a lot about Tua Tagovailoa this offseason, and uh, you have certainly uh, covered him and covered the Dolphins. You, you know the progression to drafting him and how they're going about trying to make things work and fit. But it remains a work in progress with him. How, how would you describe the direction they're headed right now with Tua and not really having the, the, the full wide receiver gamut so far in practice there this year? And what's a very important year for him? Well, I would say to you that they're headed in the right direction. The problem is we don't know direction to what mm. and what I mean by that. So the Dolphins this year, they tried to upgrade the wide receiver room. They did that. They added Will Fuller. They drafted Jalen Waddle. They've addressed the offensive line and that they've got players uh, at left tackle, at right guard, at center. They drafted another player, Liam Eikenberg, in the second round at left guard. The problem with all of that is that it hasn't looked like it's meshed yet. The offensive line was not good against the Chicago Bears in preseason game one. And they've got a lot of mixing and matching going on, whereas Eikenberg was drafted 
He played tackle at Notre Dame. He's playing guard for Miami. Uh, last year, the Dolphins had Robert Hunt playing tackle. Uh, now he's playing guard. At center, they've got Michael Dieter. He's been a guard the whole time. So there's a lot of mixing and matching and a lot of hoping. And at wide receiver, Will Fuller, you know, he hasn't practiced but one day. Devontae Parker's always hurt. Jalen Waddle was hurt last year. Albert Wilson opted out last year and is hurt. So I don't know that there's a lot of chemistry going on. And all of that affects one guy, Tua Tungavailoa, because he needs to be protected and he needs to get in the same on the same page with his wide receivers. And I don't see any of that happening at this point. Armando Salguero, our guest. Uh, how do you stack the division right now with with all of the all of that going on in Miami? I, I I think Brian Flores has done a nice job since he's landed that gig. We know that the Patriots remain the Patriots with Belichick, but there's a quarterback discussion we can get into there as well. Uh, and then the, the Bills are chasing the Chiefs. Yeah, they're chasing the Chiefs and. You know, no one, everyone else is chasing them in the AFC East. Um, from what I'm told, Josh Allen, who had a breakout season last year, he's going to be better. The Bills believe that he is going to be better and borderline better than Patrick Mahomes this year. He's shown it in practice. It's one of those things where the light has turned on for him. The game has slowed down. And now he can just play on instinct and play on talent. And he's got that in bucket loads. So uh, that's bad news for everyone else in the AFC East and bad news for everyone really in the AFC because the Bills were a pretty solid team last year. Uh, They expect a better Josh Allen, which is scary, scary. Armando, we uh, we talked about the, the Hall of Fame program uh, from this past year, and we found ourselves almost wanting more from Peyton Manning. You know, one of those speeches you actually want to hear go on for 45 minutes to an hour would be Peyton Manning's. Uh, as someone who is a Hall of Fame selector, do you like the way that, that they're formulating the program now with time limits on the speech and the way everything was produced? Yeah, well, that all is um, a cause of television, Television, which pays the bills, wants it that way. Uh, Obviously, uh, the Hall of Fame is kind of boxed in because, yeah, they they write the rules, but television strongly suggests how that happens. And I understand because not everyone is Peyton Manning, right? We wanted to hear more from Peyton Manning. Sometimes you want to hear less from these guys. And I remember years where it was – you know, 15 minutes in and I'm going, oh boy, this needs to end. Uh, You know, maybe there's a happy medium in there somewhere because I would have loved eight minutes more from Peyton Manning. I would have gladly sat there and listened to him recount what was a fabulous career and with his sarcasm and with his jokes and, and all of that, But again, you know, they told Peyton Manning eight minutes and he hit it, I think, in two seconds. Uh, That's who Peyton Manning was as a player. And that's who he is as a person. And, you know, sometimes the Hall of Fame should say, all right, it's eight minutes. But if you go a little bit over, there's wiggle room. 
you know, we've talked a lot about Deshaun Watson, obviously, which is a, an enormous story. And it, it has me thinking about what is owed in this whole scenario and, and taking the criminal side out of it and everything else with the accusations by these women with Deshaun Watson. And we got a little bit in this discussion a, a few days back. What does the league owe the Houston Texans in terms of some sort of decision so they can move forward? Uh, what does the league owe a member team? Because clearly the Texans want some sort of resolution to where they can trade Deshaun Watson and the team trading for him knows what they're getting in terms of, uh, of a suspension. Or does the league owe the Texans or anyone else anything? And are they doing the right thing by simply waiting and seeing what happens in, in terms of a criminal case against Deshaun Watson? All right. So this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion because, you know, I know no one says that the league is right on a lot of things. But here's the deal. Deshaun Watson's case is now is gone to like a grand jury and they're going to figure out whether to indict him or not. The FBI is involved. Uh, there's 22 women who say that Deshaun Watson did some like, you know, bad stuff, deviant stuff. And so why, if I'm running the league or why, if I'm the NFL, do I want to jump out ahead of all of that before concrete known decisions are made? I, I, I don't think the NFL owes the Houston Texans anything. Uh, the NFL owes itself and its fans uh, decisions based on facts. And I think the facts are still being found the facts are still being out there. You know, it would be a bad look for the league to suspend Deshaun Watson suddenly, uh, put him on the suspension list for the uh, Roger Goodell. And we find out that somehow he's been vindicated or we've, you know, the league says, hey, you're not going to be suspended. Houston Texans, you're free to trade him. And the guy is convicted. So as far as the NFL is concerned, you know, stay the course. It, the Houston Texans can trade Deshaun Watson if they want. They're just holding him because they want to maximize the deal. And the only way they're going to do that, obviously, is if this goes away or is resolved somehow. Texans are in a bad spot, too, because they have a quarterback that even prior to these allegations in, in civil court didn't want to be there after signing him to a big extension last September. It's, it's a crazy scenario for new head coach David Culley. He's waited this long to be a head coach to get his opportunity and inherits this quarterback situation. And then Nick Casario, who's taking over, calling the shots with, of course, Cal McNair there as, as the, the lead representative for the family and the ownership. They've got a quarterback that even if this was not the case in, in civil court or criminal court, they have a quarterback that doesn't want to play for them. The, the people that are running the Houston Texans, and I'm talking about Casario and Cully, who, you know, are new. Yeah. They were handed a job, and on one hand, and on the other hand, they were handed a big, enormous pile <laughs> of poop. Yeah. And they were, here's your contract. Hold this for us if you can. It's a little smelly, but, hey, you're hired. And... <laughs> Look, it's just a bad situation for those people. And guess what? They're going to fail. That's not, a, that's not a situation where there's success authored. It's going to be a disaster for uh, David Culley. It, he is, 
he is the next ex head coach of the Houston Texans. Armando Sarguero, our guest. Uh, look, let's stay in the division. Is the worst lie, the worst preseason lie being told right now in Jacksonville where they, they maintain that there is an actual quarterback battle between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew for the number one job? They're splitting first team reps today in practice. Uh, a couple of days after uh, Urban Meyer doubled down and said, yeah, they, they haven't determined who's, who's the starting quarterback there yet. How, how can they not start Trevor Lawrence? They will start Trevor Lawrence, but it's brilliant what they're doing because uh, Urban Meyer can stand out there and pound the table and say, we have a quarterback battle because Gardner Minshew is really good. And we have a quarterback battle because Gardner Minshew has the ability to do damage in the NFL. And we have a quarterback battle because Gardner Minshew is someone that an NFL team needs to value. And then when they pick Trevor Lawrence, they can trade Gardner Minshew, who Urban Meyer has spent weeks talking up. It, it's, it, you know, it's kind of transparent in a way, uh, but I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to increase the value of Gardner Minshew. Uh, I don't know that it'll work. I don't know that someone will ultimately pull the trigger on trading for Gardner Minshew. I don't think he's an NFL starting caliber quarterback. Um, so we'll see what happens. But ultimately, what needs to happen in Jacksonville will happen. And that is Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback, will be the starter, and forward we go. I want to get your thoughts on a couple of other rookies right now. Uh, first in New England with Mac Jones. Bill Belichick is taking his time on naming their quarterback. I, I think Chad and I both expected to be Cam Newton for how long? I'm not sure. But I think it's Cam Newton that's the starting quarterback as the Dolphins take on the Patriots in week one. What do you think about the quarterback battle there? What are your thoughts on Mac Jones in general? And how quickly do you think they turn things over to the rookie? Right. Well, that's up to Mac Jones. If he has another, you know, two preseason games like his first one, uh, that really is a quarterback battle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that really is legitimate. And, you know, I can understand because he looked good in his preseason debut. And, you know, Cam, it's almost like he's fallen off the table. Uh, I remember 2015 Cam Newton, and that guy was really awesome. And now it's like you see these passes come off his hands sometimes and he'll skip it to a wide receiver or he won't process quickly, or it's almost like he's regressed. And I know last year they were talking about, well, that regression is because we didn't have a preseason. He signed late, and then he got COVID. Well, what's the excuse now? Because he's not exactly blowing away Mac Jones in this competition. And I think that if it continues along this arc, He's going to lose the quarterback battle, if not sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Armando, let's stay in that division and Zach Wilson with the Jets. I find myself doubting Zach Wilson, not because of Zach Wilson's ability or potential, but because he's a New York Jet. Am I wrong to associate Zach Wilson with potential failure simply because he's a part of that organization? So the Jets have an interesting dynamic in that 
you know, it's New York, it's Broadway, it's, you know, it's, it's the big town and the Big Apple. And that's all great, which means anything that Zach Wilson does will be promoted as he is the next coming. Um, they did that, you know, they've drafted more quarterbacks than I can remember. And all of them have been anointed for about five minutes and then they played. <laughs> Wilson is in a tough situation in that that defense is not good. That means the Jets are going to be playing from behind a lot. And the only way you play from behind on offense is by throwing the ball. And now the defense knows you're going to throw the ball. And now the defense is going to go kill your quarterback. So Zach Wilson is going to get hit a lot. And I, I was talking to someone up there and I haven't seen him, you know, face to face, but I was told that when you do, he is not built like you would expect. He's kind of thin, narrow, and very athletic, but I'm not sure how many hits that body is, you know, good to take. So the NFL and their officials now have an emphasis on this taunting rule. Is there a reason to have an emphasis on the taunting rule, in your opinion? Yes, it's the preseason. And so you <laughs> want to set, you know, the tone, right? But when the lights go on for real, I think, you know, it, it's, the, it's the same rule. It's just they're making it to the point where it, it, it's, a, it's a point of interest for the league and its officials. My guess is when they recognize that it's not popular and you're kind of being ticky tacky and fans don't love it. It's going to kind of fade a little bit once the regular season gets rolling. Uh, that, that preseason game the other day, it, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Don't, I mean, am I wrong? Do you guys disagree with me? Uh, Cause look, I went to the University of Miami. We invented taunting, okay? <laughs> it, that was a, that, it's a patent that the University of Miami <laughs> in the 1980s. I know what taunting looks like when it's wrong, when it's like we catch, you know, a 46 yard pass and run up the tunnel in the middle of a 42 to nothing blowout and then come back and do the six shooters that's taunting. I get that. When someone celebrates, that's bad form by the NFL. Yeah, that's not lasting long. It's like uh, getting the memo after four weeks of offensive holding penalties a couple of years ago, and the, the flags stay in the pockets for the remainder of the season. Like it's that's not that's not going to last on a routine run that we saw in the preseason game with the Colts and the Panthers. That that cannot be a regular season penalty for a team uh, that 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 we know Armando Sarguero with us uh, from Outkick senior NFL writer uh, who starts writing for the site on Monday Armando how uh, how would you describe what you have seen from Ryan Tannehill with the Tennessee Titans compared to the quarterback that you knew and saw with the Miami Dolphins why did it not work in Miami the way it has worked here in Nashville well I mean at the end he was often injured with the Dolphins. Uh, you know, he blew out his knee one year and then didn't get surgery to fix the ACL, kind of rehabbed it, and then came back the next year. And guess what? <laughs> it blew out the knee again. And 
the reason it didn't work there beyond the injuries was they didn't happen to have the best running back in the NFL in the backfield with him, which he happens to have in Tennessee. At what point in his career, at one point, he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL when he played for the Dolphins. No one had been hit more. No one had risen slowly and creaking and, and oh my God, it's superhuman how he's still alive, much less still playing than Ryan Tannehill. I think that affected him a little bit here. Uh, obviously, the, the surrounding cast affected him. What I would say about Ryan, he has been amazing in the regular season, but in the postseason, even for the Titans, when it has gotten rough and he needs to play from behind, I recognize that guy. It's the same guy that we saw with the Dolphins, and he's a good quarterback, but not a great quarterback, and especially not necessarily in those you know, in those scenarios. feels like every time, whenever I was uh, w- with Titans Radio, every time I was in that stadium, and it didn't matter if it was Cutler, it would happen a lot with Cutler, or, or Tannehill, the, the fans would chant for Matt Moore. You know, that they, we want more. They, they would chant for Matt Moore every single time I was roaming the sidelines there. He was the most popular guy. And normally the backups are, but it, it, no one talks about the backup quarterback here with the Titans anymore. They were talking about Tannehill when Mariota was here, and Mariota had Henry behind him as well, but it has, it has not been the same uh, Ryan Tannehill that I expected whenever they traded for him to be the backup initially. Right. Uh, Mariota, you know, great guy. Yeah. He's a backup. Yes. Uh, can we agree on that? Uh, you know, he, Absolutely. He's very careful with the football, and that's good to a degree. Um, not very big, so while he can run, he gets hurt a lot. All those things factor, and that's why Ryan Tannehill, who has a great arm, he looks the part, you know, and knows the offense and works his butt off all the time. He's the first one in, last one out. That's why he's been able to succeed, especially with the good cast around him, the offensive line around him, uh, the receiving core around him. I'm very interested to see what Julio Jones does uh, because I get the feeling Julio Jones believes he's got a lot to prove based on the last couple of seasons. And a I want to prove it Julio Jones is a very dangerous Julio Jones. Where would you stack the Titans uh, overall? We, we, it's Kansas City, Buffalo. Who else? Where, where would the Titans fit in that in that hierarchy? Well, they're the best team in that division. Can we agree on yeah, that? Oh, oh, yeah. Right now, yes. Without, it, yeah, you, it, it, you know, same same record as the Colts last year in the regular season, but the Colts have a quarterback issue right now. Absolutely. And so they have a quarterback issue until they make that phone call to Phillip Rivers again. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know, uh, that's coming, I think. Uh, trust me, I think that's coming. But so they're the Titans are the class of the division. That's an important thing to be because it helps you in the playoffs. Where I stack them all the way around in the NFC, in the AFC, you know, yeah, they're not as they're not as dynamic as either Kansas City or Buffalo. And they 
they may be more complete than than Buffalo. They may be as complete as Kansas City, but explosiveness, dynamic. Uh, we're down, you know, thirteen points in the fourth quarter, and something's got to happen. That's not the team that you that you're thinking will make that comeback. They're just they're just not. The, the one area that I think has been overlooked in the, the saga with Aaron Rodgers is how close they were to being in the Super Bowl last year with the team that they had. You know, the, the, the narrative with Rodgers over the last decade has been they have not given him the weapons. But what people fail to mention in that is they, they're still really good. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's almost like it's, it's, it, it, Rodgers is a big reason for that. But I, I'm sitting here thinking – Okay, Vegas and FanDuel, they've got Kansas City and Tampa Bay as the favorites to run it back. And generally, the teams that were there last year, fans generally feel like they're, they, they have a chance to be back again next year. Where would you stack Green Bay against Tampa Bay right now, knowing we saw the head-to-head matchup, knowing how things ended in Green Bay a year ago in the postseason? And do you think in the what he's not calling the swan song season, but we all think this is the final year in Green Bay – do you think Rodgers can make the same type of run we saw from Brady a year ago? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting with, with Aaron Rodgers because I believe it's going to go one of two directions. I, he's obviously not happy, okay? Let's establish that. He'd rather be somewhere else. I think that it's going to be either the best we have ever seen of Aaron Rodgers because he is so peeved and so angry and so wanting and so motivated to stick it to people within the organization at Green Bay by showing them, look at me, I'm the best, you should have done everything I said, or it's gonna be a disaster because he's not happy. And did I mention that? He's not happy. And that's going to you know, sort of permeate throughout the locker room and people are gonna recognize that and maybe his play suffers. I don't think it's going to be well, Green Bay is 13 and three, and then they get eliminated in the championship. It's either going to be up here or down there. I don't see a middle ground. And as far as Tampa Bay is concerned, look, the reason everybody in Las Vegas and everywhere else is saying they should be able to run it back is number one, they didn't graduate anybody. <laughs> they, they're all coming back. They've, they've done a great job of making sure the entire team comes back. And one of the things that is not appreciated of Tom Brady as much as it probably should be, and understand, I'm not saying he's underrated uh, by any means, but his competitiveness and his ability to not rest on laurels. The guy is a machine. The guy does not, really does not remember that he's one of the best really does not remember that he won it last year. He is starved for success now. And that is rare because let's face it, human nature is, hey, I've won three or four championships. In his case, six. I've done this, you know, if it works out great, if it doesn't, okay, I'll live. With Brady, it's it's do or die. It must work out or no matter what, or my life is ending. And that's just unheard of. And that's the reason I think that team 
isn't going to fall back in any way imaginable. Yeah, much more Michael Jordan-like approach with Tom Brady for sure in terms of do or die. Uh, Armando, I want to ask you about the COVID vaccine policy, the NFL, and how Ryan Tannehill really is now the poster boy for what the NFL wants to accomplish. He's a guy who said, I was not going to get the vaccine, but the NFL made it almost impossible because I'd be letting down my teammates if I didn't do so. So he got the vaccine because of the pressure from the NFL. We've also talked about Lamar Jackson uh, with this and, and not getting the vaccine. You've covered NFL locker rooms since 1990. Do you think this is an issue in NFL locker rooms that's discussed? Or is this sort of a don't ask, don't tell, don't engage in this conversation amongst your teammates when it comes to the vaccine and whether or not players are getting them? So behind locker room doors, it's absolutely discussed. And guys are asking each other, what do you, you know, what do you think? What are you doing? Uh, how did you react? Were there reactions? Did you have symptoms afterwards? What, what's going on? The NFL has made it so onerous for players not to be vaccinated that just as you said about Ryan, you, a lot of them have relented against their, you know, against their really their wishes. Uh, all things being equal, they wouldn't have taken the vaccine. But they're in a situation where it is a it's a handicap and it thus handicaps your team to a, to a degree. I don't think these guys believe that we're taking it because we want everybody to be safe. I think that's a narrative from, you know, out there, the narrative industrial complex. Take the vaccine. You're, you're loving your neighbor. These guys aren't thinking that way. Uh, they don't all, they know that you take the vaccine, you still are, you know, likely to, or possibly you can get COVID. It's, it's just a fact. I think the first week of training camp, if I remember the stats correctly, 65 players and staff tested positive for COVID. 32 of them were vaccinated. So half of the people testing positive the first week of camp, right out of the gate, were vaccinated. It's not about necessarily keeping your teammates safe with, with a lot of these guys. It's about doing something for the team that will make it possible for all of us to be together and succeed, even if we don't really believe in the thing. Armando Salguero, our guest, starting on Monday, what can we expect from you at outkick.com, Armando? Well, so I'm going to share, uh, I, I think I know what I'm going to write my first uh, you know, column out of the shoot. There is some, there's a personal experience that really, really changed my life last year. And I'm going to share that with people. I'm going to bring the people that have known me covered me for a while i have never told anyone about it but that's going to be first off and then we're going to hit the ground running with the nfl coverage mainly in miami or are you at a different game each week um what, what, how will you cover the league so my first game for outkick.com is going to be the we didn't graduate anyone tampa bay buccaneers <laughs> host cowboys okay nice thursday night football awesome 
Awesome. Can't wait for that. We're thrilled you're a part of this, uh, and, and we're really happy that you came on the show today. Hopefully, uh, first of many visits. You're welcome anytime. We, we love chatting football here on 360. Well, I appreciate it. I wish you guys continued success. It's been my honor to be with you today. Appreciate you. Thank you. Armando Salguero. You can follow him on Twitter under the name as well, Armando Salguero there. And again, Chad, we're, we're pumped about this. He starts uh, with OutKick officially on Monday, uh, and this will not be the, uh, the last visit with Armando here on the show. Also not going to be the last addition to OutKick. In right. the OutKick network, uh, you're going to see uh, – we love talking football, as Hutton said. You're going to see – Football coverage, both NFL and college, being added to OutKick, and we are pumped about it. Upgrade your summer style with Mack Weldon. Reinventing men's basics. Mack Weldon, so much more than just underwear. Their full collection includes T-shirts, polos, button-ups, shorts, pants, swims, and much, much more. With light and breathable fabric technology, Mack Weldon keeps you cool and comfortable all summer. From work to working out, happy hour to playing with your kids, Mack Weldon has essentials for whatever your day includes. I have the dry knit polo, Chad. I know you also have some polos from Mack Weldon. Fantastic, fantastic company. Hutton, yesterday I found out that my neighborhood pool will not close until October 1st. Still a lot of time in pool season is what that told me. That means you can dive into Mack Weldon's swim line with trunk and board short options that are quick to dry and have four-way stretch fabric. And when you're not in the pool, Mack Weldon's new Maverick Tech Chino Short and Radius Short are the perfect additions to your summer wardrobe. And Mack Weldon, they've got a free loyalty program called Weldon Blue. Level 1 gets you free shipping for life. Once you reach Level 2, by spending $200, you get 20% off every order for the next year. And your Level Blue immediately with OutKick360 is the code. 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com slash OutKick360. Enter the promo code OutKick360. That's MacWeldon.com slash OutKick360. Promo code OutKick360 for 20% off. Mac Weldon reinventing men's basics. Outkick 360 rolls on. Coming up in roughly five, six minutes from now, we go live to Tampa Bay. Titans and Bucks wrapping up a joint practice. Yesterday was, was more Titans-focused, it seemed as though, with some of the highlights in that practice. Today, uh, it sounds like Tampa Bay came back energized and fired up to get after Tennessee. We'll, we'll get the very latest from PK in a matter of minutes. Uh, first, though, a reminder, we're headed to Knoxville. Um, it'll be two weeks from today, actually, when they, the volunteers kick off their college football season and the Josh Heupel era against Bowling Green. That is the first stop on a bus tour across the South all season long that starts two weeks from today and ends December the 4th in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Outkick and Fox with the college football bus tour. Clay Travis a part of this with Outkick as well. This is going to be a blast, and so will the tailgates. Yeah, we've got a graphic we can show you also about that event in Knoxville. Again, two weeks from today, OutKick 360 will be live in full effect in Knoxville on the Strip, Cumberland Avenue. Come see us at Uptown Bar and Grill. Another announcement starting August 30th. This show will be from 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern. So we will be in Knoxville, in Knoxville time, 3 to 6 Eastern, two weeks from today, Uptown Bar and Grill. We're going to have our complete show there. Special guests will be swinging by. Then we're going to have an after party after Tennessee Bowling Green that night 
at Uptown Bar and Grill in Knoxville. Looking forward to this, Hutton, as the first step on uh, a bunch of rungs of the ladder as we climb towards December 4th in the SEC Championship game where OutKick, Fox Sports, going to be at all these games, the biggest games of the week for the SEC each and every week. Chad and I had a conference call this morning um, where we saw some of the gear that's going to be handed out at all of these events. It's all legit. Like They're, they're, they're bringing it to this. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And it, it's all about college football. We, we love the atmosphere around the, the college game. And uh, I, I know Clay's already announced the first handful of stops. So from Knoxville, we go to Charlotte. From Charlotte, uh, in, in, in Charlotte, we should mention Clemson and Georgia kick off on that Saturday, September the 4th. Uh, the following week, September the 11th, Arkansas hosting Texas. The Longhorns joining the, the SEC right now in 2025. They get a taste of the SEC with Arkansas and a nice rivalry matchup there. That's on September 11th. The following week, September the 17th, um, it is Florida hosting Alabama in Gainesville. So from Fayetteville to Gainesville, and then Clay announces, I believe on Fox and Friends, uh, he will announce the following stop that Wednesday after Florida and Alabama. Well, it's exciting. Obviously, we love football, and we love being on location. So yep. uh, OutKick being on location, Clay being on location every week at the biggest game in the SEC is a no-brainer. So looking forward to what's going to be a fun season. Really looking forward to two weeks from today. OutKick 360, Jonathan Hutton, myself, we will be in Knoxville, Uptown Bar and Grill, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Swing by, say hello. You mentioned gear. We have 250 OutKick shirts for guys, 250 OutKick shirts for the ladies. We're giving them away. We're not selling a thing. We're going to be giving... We're going to be giving gifts to the people that Thursday. <laughs> it's going to be, as Hutton said about his Orioles, when the Braves come to town or any team, come one, come all. It's a feast. All, all it's a Thanksgiving. Everyone come in, take exactly what you want from us. That's what we're doing in Knoxville in two weeks. We can't wait. Leave the stadium standing and leave with a W. I don't want to take I don't, on the O's. I don't want to see or hear any fuss from your O's when the <laughs> Braves won't. come to town. My Braves sweeping the Nationals, sweeping the Marlins. Now they go to Baltimore. This needs to be a come one, come all type experience, and the Braves need to take exactly what they need from the Orioles. It, uh, it actually it starts with the Rays taking what they need from the O's tonight. That's with the 360 parlay. A little tease there. Uh, that's coming up a, a bit later in the second hour. We Our next stop, though, will be in Tampa Bay. PK checks in live from Bucks-Titans joint practice. We get the very latest on what happened in day number two of the work between the Titans and the Bucks next as we kick off the Tennessee Power Hour on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.